0: Hey, everyone. This is Jaron Hollis with the Believer's Church. I'm so happy that you're here today. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to this message. I pray that it inspires you, it challenges you, and it helps you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy. For each and every one of you guys. I really am. This is a great church to be in. It's a great church to be a part of. It's great to be in a church full of people that are full of life, that are actively moving towards Jesus Christ, following his commands, doing what he asks us to do. Here's the thing, and it's not just about following rules and regulations. Jesus promises that when we follow his way, when we follow his teachings, when we become students of his word, when we make him our rabbi, when we make him our teacher, and we learn from his words, and we follow his way, even though he says it's narrow, he promises us that something beautiful will come out of our lives. How many of y'all want something beautiful to come out of your life this year? Man, I do too. So again, my name is Jaron. I'm the associate pastor here at the Believer's Church. I just wanted to say thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. It really does mean the world to me. Every single time I get up here, I have the privilege and the honor to speak into your life and over your life. It really does mean the world to me. I'm 36 years old, and all I can do in these situations is pray for the wisdom of God, because I haven't lived enough life yet to speak to some of you guys. I need to let some of you guys speak into my life, which I try to do on a regular basis. (sighs) Ah. Alright, so I want to share something before we even get to the message. I want to share a little something with you guys that I experienced over the last couple weeks. Can I be real? That's one thing I'm really thankful for, is a church that allows their pastors to be real. We're real people, y'all. We got struggles, we got issues, we got, we got emotions. Sometimes we can get a little cranky. And right at the beginning of the year, New Year New me wasn't happening. I was feeling a little cranky. I, I do a thing with FCA. If you don't know what FCA is, it's Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And they bring in speakers, preachers, teachers, pastors, all sorts of different people to speak. To groups of young people in schools every single morning before they get to their schools. And it's not always Christian athletes. There are kids from all over the school that will come and listen. Most of the time, they're, they're just there for the free donuts, but they're there. Well, I agreed to go to a middle school out in Mount Washington at the very beginning of the year. I think it was the third. And that morning, that, my week had been full of meetings. I was, I was kind of already peopled out. You been there? kind of peopled out, and I was like, oh man, the sun's not even up. I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready to bring the joy of Jesus to these middle schoolers. And middle schoolers are hard, y'all. Y'all think you're hard? High schoolers and middle schools are. Please don't put me in the middle school class. They will eat me alive. They will eat me alive. But I'm on my way to this middle school class. The sun's not up. I'm driving my car, and I wasn't paying attention. Siri was trying to help me, but I missed my exit. And I was barely going to make it there on time. So what did I do? I pulled over into the side lane, you know, right where the exit parts ways. And I said, I can't afford to miss this exit. So I swerve over and I go into all the nasty stuff on the side of the road, all the rocks, all the rubble, somebody's mattress, you know, whatever is on the side of the road. And I just hear all this stuff underneath my car. And I'm like, there's, there's a very small chance I didn't just get a nail or a screw in my tire. And I did. I but I, I actually put my car in reverse and backed up while it's dark. All the all the semis and everything are passing for me. But I get off on the ramp I'm supposed to. I'm gonna make it just in time. But when I start pulling away, I hear and I'm like, I'm like, well, there's no tire pressure warning. So something's just stuck in my tire. It's probably just a rock not just a rock. After a little while, it stopped. What ended up happening is the screw snapped off in my tire. So yay for that, right? So I'm praying, dear Jesus, be with my tire right now. Please let me make it to this school on time. I make it to the school on time. I give my little 10-minute speech. I talk to these students. I connect with them, and everything is good. And then I come back to church, and I have meetings, and I've had meetings all week long. I've been dealing with this and that, and drama and crisis after crisis. And then, you know, people, our church is growing, which is great, right? Now, some of our meetings are, how are we going to fit so many people when we start growing? Easter's coming; it's going to be a problem. And about two o'clock, I get tapped out. I'm like, I'm, I'm, people now, I need to go, and I need to get away. So I go and I get in my car and I go to I want to go to the place that's like the place. I like to go to Barnes and Noble Booksellers. I like to open up a book, smell it. It's a weird thing. I'm sorry. I just like being in there. And I'm like I like being alone, just kind of feeling like a normal person. That's where I want to go. So I hop in the car and I'm on my way and all of a sudden, low pressure warning. So I'm halfway to Barnes & Noble when that thing comes on. So I just whip my car around, not with the best attitude. And I'm like, I know there's a place close to home, Perez Auto. They do tires. They can probably figure it out, figure out what's going wrong. So I pull into this tire place. I get out. I slam the door. And they're like, well, pull your car around here. It's run by a bunch of Hispanic guys. And they own and operate the place. And they just say, come around here. And they spray this magic stuff on the side of the tire. And it goes down, and it kind of shows where air bubbles are coming out. And I'm like, ah. I'm like, all right. And the guy's like, "Eh, this won't be too bad. It won't be too hard to fix. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, how have you been today, Pastor Jaron? Praise the Lord, brother. Hallelujah. I didn't do that. I said, you know, it, it's been a rough couple days. And he said, well, let me see. I think we can patch this. And he takes it off, and he patches it up, and he puts it back on my tire. And he says, I just want to say thank you. The tire's on us. He said, I don't speak English too well. He said, but your translators at your church do a really good job. So, Ricardo, if you're here, or if you're watching online, that meant the world to me. To know that I was part of a church that's making a difference in the life of you, the life of your wife, the life of your two kids... And then I finally got in my car, and I got my way to Barnes & Noble, and I'm sitting there finally alone. And another Hispanic gentleman comes along, and he goes, hey, Pastor Jared. And I'm like, I can't get away now. Always got to be on. No, it's good to be in a house, in a place that is making a difference in the lives of our community. Is that right? So thank you. Why don't you guys give our bilingual team a hand that spends their time translating in these services? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, that has nothing to do with my message. I just wanted to brag on our people for a second. Man, that puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Your problems don't seem so big when God reminds you, you know, even on your bad days, I'm still making a difference through what you're doing. Even if you're not feeling it, even if you're not seeing it, I'm still with you. I can still move through you and the people that you call your church family. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So I'm going to ask you a quick question. You guys ever had a friend that your parents didn't want you to be friends with? <laughs> okay. All right. Great. I had those friends too growing up. So we kind of talked about this the last time I preached about what we let influence us determines what comes out of us anybody remember that what you allow to flow into you will determine what flows out of you all how many of you all want something beautiful to flow out of your life in 2024 you want God to do something great come on make some noise but how many of y'all actually want God to do something great through your life this year I'm not talking positive affirmations and speaking it, it will come into existence I'm not talking about any of that We're going to be talking about something really, really important because we talked about what we digest when it comes to music and movies and entertainment. We talked a little bit about friends, but today is going to be all about the relationships that we allow to flow into our lives. And we've all had that friend that our mom warned us about, right? I don't want you hanging out with them. You ever heard that? I don't want you, no, no, you are not having a sleepover at Jeffrey's house. You are not going to, if you're going to hang out with them, you better be hanging out with everyone else, right? I had those friends. We've all had those friends. One time, oh Lord, help me. I was hanging out with some of those people, right? I was only about 12 or 13 years old. We had a kid that went to this church way back in the day. His name was Ben. We called him Benjamin. Uh, And at that time, kids are mean, right? They can say some pretty terrible things. They can do some terrible things. Benjamin was on the outside of the popular group, and we would often pick on him for the glasses he wore. He was taller than all of us. He was, honestly, he was more handsome than all of us. It was we, we picked on him because we were insecure. That's the truth. But we picked on him nonetheless, and one day, uh, ben came to church, and we were all hanging out. These, this backfield back here, it's not a field anymore. There are a bunch of houses that go around here. It used to be a field. We had a gymnasium, a garage. We actually had a playground. We had a ball field. We had a ton of different stuff. It was, it was a bit of a swamp, though, so when it rained, it got really muddy. One day, all the kids are out there. Benjamin's out there, he has these brand-new shoes. He has these brand-new shoes that he's super proud of. And he's swinging on the swing set, and we're all hanging out, and we're swinging on the swing set, and that kid... Right, I'm not going to mention any names, but that kid, that bad influence that your parents warned you about is right there next to Benjamin. And he grabs his feet, and he puts his feet in the other swing set, his brand new shoes. And he proceeds to untie his shoes, and then he calls a couple of us over and says, help me tie his shoelaces up quick, hurry. And so we begin to tie his shoelaces into the chains of the other swing set. Your pastor is helping. I'm helping. Shame on me. We end up tying his shoelaces so tight that they had the the adults later after we left him out there while he was crying with his socks in the mud. He was out there for 20, 30 minutes trying to untie his shoes. They had to cut his brand new shoelaces off his brand new shoes in order to break his shoes free. And we all took off because one of the mamas in the church came looking for us. Y'all know. Y'all ever had a church mama? She's not your mama, but she is a mama, and she's going to mama you. She went around the church, and she rounded every last one of us up. She grabbed some of us by the nap of our neck, and she gave us a tongue-lashing, man. Mamas ain't what they used to be, y'all. Mamas back in the day, they would go out. they They would grab what you would call a switch. It's a branch off of a tree, but they would make sure that it wasn't crusty and dying. They'd make sure that it was fresh so that it could wrap around your legs a couple times if they went to get after you. Right, one of those mamas. Her name is Audrey. She's still one of my mamas. She came for us. She gave us a tongue lashing, and we all started walking away. And I was like, "Whew, that was it!" And she goes, "Jaren Hollis," and I, "Yes, ma'am." Come here. You ever had that? Come here. She goes, I love you, boy, but you better be careful, the friends you choose, because it won't be too long until you're acting just like them. You know better. Woo! Truth is, I did know better. I miss mamas like that, y'all. Have y'all ever met my mom, Sister Renee Hollis? You ever met my mom? She's one of the kindest, sweetest people, but she got a little mama in her. (laughs) She does. One time, my brother and I, we were getting real prickly, man. You know when kids get rough and dad's not around, and if mama's a sweetheart, we're like, we can push her. We can push her. Well, this day, we pushed Renee too far. Bo and I, my brother, we pushed mama a little too far, and mama went and grabbed a ping pong paddle. (laughs) I was like. I'm not condoning child abuse, okay? I just want you to know. She comes after us, y'all. And Bo was first. And I was like, thank you, God. Maybe she will wear herself out on Bo so she doesn't wear herself out on me. And she reared back with that ping pong paddle and she took it across his bare bottom cheeks and she snapped, she snapped that ping paddle in ping pong paddle in half, y'all. <laughs> and then we started laughing even harder. Man, but my parents, they taught us right. They taught us how to judge character. They taught us how to choose our friends wisely. How many of y'all want something beautiful to come out of your life this year? This is the title of the message. It's probably not proper English. I'm going to give you some advice. You ready? Get godly friends. Get godly friends. What do you mean by that? Get good, godly, spirit-filled Fruit-producing, love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness. We're going to get to it. Is this all right? You guys, if you really want what flows out of you this year to be beautiful, you've got to let the relationships that you surround yourself with, right? It's real simple. It's real simple. So uh, I do a lot of stuff around church here, a whole lot of stuff. If you didn't realize, and I'm not trying to brag, I really am not. Uh, but I I do a lot of stuff around here. I edit the videos that you see. Uh, I played the drums in worship. And sometimes people come up to me and they're like, everything you do, you seem to do it pretty well. And that's not a brag. They just don't see all the other things that I say no to that I'm really bad at. We all got things that we're bad at, but I like to say yes to the things that I can get better at. So how did I get good at the drums? Can we just talk through this for a second? Was I born with drumsticks in my hands? Lord, no. I didn't actually start playing drums until I was about 17 years old. I'm 36 right now. So I've been playing drums with some people in this band for nearly, nearly 20 years. That's pretty crazy. I saw a guy, honestly, let me, let me just brag for a second because he's not in the room. He won't kill me. Richard Goodwin, he plays bass. If you didn't see him, he is a better drummer than I am. And he hasn't really played in the last 20 years because I've been the one playing. But I watched him and I said, I want to do what he does. So what did I do as a 16-year-old kid that wanted to have a drum kit by the time I was 17? As I went and told him, I I want you to teach me how to play the drums. I'd go away a week later. I want you to teach me to play the And finally, after weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and months, he was finally like, okay. (laughs) You obviously mean it. I ended up getting a drum kit, and what was a kid pestering a guy that was 10 years older than him became a friendship that has lasted a lifetime. It's all right. It's all right. I appreciate Richard Goodwin, everything that he's poured into my life. With Richard Goodwin, he brought friends that were excellent musicians, that had been college-trained, highly educated, professional-level, pristine musicianship, And I jumped into the pool with both my feet at 17 years old. And you know what I learned really quickly? I was terrible, and they were really good. I was really bad, and they were really good. But something happened. When I got around people that were where I wanted to be, they began to pull me up to where they were. Right? And so year after year after year, I got a little bit sharper, a little bit better, and music went from this thing that I tried to memorize to do to be a language that I spoke, right? Something that I just do out of, out of nature. It just comes to me if I'm sitting down and I'm playing a song. Like, I'm not thinking about what I'm playing. I'm just playing for the glory of God, and that's a beautiful place to be. One day, a guy comes into this place. His name's Stephen McWhorter. Have you all heard the song, Come, Jesus, Come. You like that song? Man. So I had somebody send me a text. They were in Pittsburgh the other day, and they had their phone. They took a picture of it. It was on the radio. Stephen is a friend of mine. He comes to church here from time to time. He tours around. He writes with people all throughout the Christian music industry. One day he comes to this church, and I end up playing drums with him during a worship set. He asked me to come play drums at this barn in the middle of Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. He says, you want to come play worship with me? Well, I do. A few worship sessions later, he says, all right, Sony wants to sign us right Sony wants to sign us and they want us to make a label they want us to make a record album and they want us to produce it and he's like I want you to play on and I'm like I'm not a professional musician he's like you'll be all right you'll be fine you'll be all right you'll be fine that's comforting right you'll be all right you'll be fine I'm like okay okay Months pass and I'm training and we're writing songs and we're doing stuff together. And then they tell me we're gonna have these guys come in. This producer has won this Grammy and this drum player that's gonna help train you. He's won this many Grammys for this song and this song and this song. And I'm like, Lord help me. I can't do this. And we finally get to the production week and this Grammy nominated guy that's producing this album, he comes and we're working through stuff, and like day after day we're working through stuff and we go and we would have lunch together. And my doubts started to seep out of me, right? Hey, you know, if what I'm doing isn't good enough, you just tell me, right? If you don't, uh, we, can, we can let somebody else play the drums. And in the kindest way possible, with all gentleness, he turned to me and he said, Jaron, you realize nobody else here is trying to disqualify you like you're trying to disqualify yourself. This isn't in my notes, but some of y'all need to stop trying to disqualify yourself from your destiny that God has called you to. Just because you don't have confidence, right? Listen, and guess what happened? I got around people that were operating at that level, and I, I survived. I made it. And guess what I do now in my life? As somebody that preaches and teaches and pastors, I am surrounding myself with people that preach better than I do, that teach better than I do, that study better than I do that minister better than I do. I make people that have doctorates in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and I'm getting around people that will challenge me because I see them going somewhere that I want to go, so I'm surrounding people that have been where I want to be. Is this all right? So this is something that you need to be thinking about. So the question is, is what kind of friends do you have surrounding you right now? Are they keeping you right where, they, where you're at? Are they pulling you down to where you don't want to be? Or are they pulling you up to somewhere God's calling you to? All right. Stop trying to disqualify yourself. Get around some people. What's the Bible say about this? You want to know a person? You want to know who a person really is? Watch what Proverbs 27 says. A mirror reflects a man's face, right? But what he's really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. Woo! Wow. What kind of friends are you choosing? What kind of friends are you choosing in your life? Are your friends pulling you down, or are they helping you produce? Are your friends bringing drama and nastiness and bitterness and unforgiveness into your life, or are they causing you to grow into maturity, right? Are they just aimlessly wandering through this life hoping to win the lottery or hoping that there will be a windfall or something good will happen, or are they headed in an intentional direction with their life, with goals and purposes in mind for the glory of God, what kind of friends are you choosing? So I want to help you really quickly learn how to identify. Or I want you to learn how to take two steps that will help you choose better relationships in your life this year. Is this all right? Is this all right? All right. Number one, this is going to be painful. You guys ready? You might have to cut off harmful relationships. Come on. Now look at your neighbor and say, cut off that relationship. Come on, come on. Encourage your friend. I know, I know, it's hard. Listen, I know Jesus wouldn't want you to cut anybody off. Christians aren't supposed to do that. Have you read the Bible? Listen, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Somebody's feelings are going to have to get hurt this year. Right? If you're going to become who God has called you to be, you're going to have to cut some people off that are either dragging you down or aren't helping you move forward into who God has called you to be. Watch this. Proverbs 22. We read this last time I preached, but it's so powerful. Don't befriend. What did the Bible just say? Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people. You will learn to be like them. Woo! Don't be friends with unforgiving people. Don't be friends with bitter people. Don't be friends with hateful people because you will learn to be unforgiving. You will learn to be bitter. You will learn to be hateful. Ooh. It's quiet. That means it's good. That means you're thinking. You will learn to be like them and you will endanger your soul. Come on. Proverbs thirteen twenty says this. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. How many of y'all got some relationships in your life where you're suffering from being around a person that you know you need to cut off? Right? And I'm not saying that you abandon them forever, but get to a place to where you're healthy enough to build a bridge to ask them to come across. Does that make sense? Maybe you need to put a boundary in place long enough to build your character, to build your integrity, to grow, mature spiritually to where you're overflowing with patience and kindness and love and wisdom and self-control. If you need to get away from those drug addict friends for a season until you no longer identify as an addict so that you can go back to where those addicts are, So then you can build a bridge to call them across. Maybe you got to cut them off for a little while until you mature. Maybe you need to get around some people that are wise, that will cause you to grow. Maybe you need to get around some people that are loving, that will cause you to grow in love. Maybe you need to get around some people that are overflowing with kindness, that will teach you how to walk in kindness. Maybe you need to get around some people that have some forbearance, Right? An ability to deal with difficult bootyhead people. Right? So you will grow. Because Lord knows all you got to do is get on Instagram or Facebook to be upset with people. you got to learn how to delete that comment before you post it on, the, on there for the world to see. Before you attack a person that you don't even know. Just because you see those friends doing it doesn't mean that you need to do it. Mature, get healthy, get to a place to where you can build a bridge, right? All right. Get away from those people that are bringing harm into your life, that are causing you to suffer, that aren't calling you up. So, what type of friends have you surrounded yourself with? Let me ask it this way. Are they constructive or destructive? I'll say it again. Are they constructive or are they destructive? You ever broken a bone in your body? It's painful. My brother and I, we broke our arms on the exact same day. The same arm in the exact same place, snowboarding down the exact same hill, and we got, we got Christmas casts, red and green. <laughs> they were real cute. It was painful. It was real painful that's destructive, right? It can heal, but it's not building you up. You ever experienced growing pains, right? It's annoying, right? It's annoying. Hi, how are you? Good? Yeah, growing pains in your legs, right? You ever walked around, it's like that hollow ache. You're like, oh, ow. It's painful, but it's building you up. (laughs) Hold on a second. You'll see where I'm going. Who are the people you're allowing in your life? Are they building you up or are they tearing you down? They're people that you will allow into your life, and you can find out what kind of friend they really are by what they're doing, what they're bringing into your life. Are they encouraging you? Are they lifting you up? I'm not saying that they're telling you that you're going to be an American idol and be the star of the world if you stink at singing. That's not a good friend. <laughs> All right? Some friends need to challenge you and say, you need a reality check. That's also building you up. Don't go on that show if you can't do it, right? That is a challenging, constructive friend that's telling you like it is because sometimes, how many of y'all know we need friends that challenge us? They call us up to something more. They point, whoo, hold on a second. How many of y'all know you can have a friend that will treat you wrong? They will tear you back. They will gossip about you behind your back. They will stab you in the back when you're not looking, They'll tell you that you can trust them only for them to blab all your stuff because you trusted them. They stab you in the back. Can I just tell you this? This is an original. You can take it. You can steal it. You can share it with other people. Real friends stab you in the front. One of them's called murder. The other one's called surgery. Right? A friend comes to you and no one else is around and they say, hey, I bet if you did this differently, you'd hit that goal that you really wanted to. I know it's going to be challenging, but I'll walk with you. I'll hold you accountable. I know you've been struggling with alcohol, but hey, if you and me commit together, we can get past this. Two months, let's get three months, let's get four months. I know it's going to hurt, but let a real friend stab you in the front and tell you like it is. Let me call you up to say, listen. You can have friends that are destructive, and they're just tearing you down. But you can have a friend that is constructive, and they build you up. I'm not saying that that's going to be pain free, though. Learn how to identify what a good friend is. It's going to change your life. You get to choose who your friends are. So, how do I know who the godly friends are? Watch this. Bible is so awesome. Matthew seven says this. Beware. Of false prophets who come disguised. You ever met a disguised person? Oh, you can trust me. I'm a real loving guy. Oh, I never gossip about anybody until they offend me. (laughs) Then it's just fair game, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but they're really vicious wolves. You want to know how you can identify a good friend? Oh, man, this is so good. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? What does this mean? You can identify them by their fruit. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit, does it not? It says that anybody that's following after Jesus Christ should be bearing this fruit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, forbearance, kindness, you should have patience, you should have self-control, the list goes on. You should have all these things if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, which means you need to be connected to Jesus Christ, right? You can't just come to church and say, yes, you have to have a committed, connected life where you're following him actively and being disciple, but you can identify what type of a person somebody is by what they're producing. What's the fruit of somebody's life? Are they producing fruit? Hold on one second. Just second. I'm going to say something about fruit. You can't pick and choose the fruit. Is this okay? You can't pick and choose the fruit. A lot of people in church walk around going, oh, man, I want to develop the fruits of the Spirit. You hear that? The fruits. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Think of it kind of like an orange. It comes in one big thing. You get love. You get joy. You get peace. You get all these things together, but you don't just get to say, I want to be a loving person, but I also want to be unforgiving. You don't get to say that I want to be kind to the people that I want to be kind to, but I want to hate those people over there that are part of a certain political persuasion. You don't get to pick pieces of the fruit of the Spirit. You have to take the whole fruit. All right. So... What are the people around you producing in their life? Because some people came into your life selling grapes, but it didn't take long to show you that it was nothing but thorns and thistles. Right? How do I say this? I want to keep this really simple. Um, you want to learn how to identify somebody's fruit? Talk to people and spend time listening to people. Spend a little less time talking. Get around good people. Get around people in general, and people will tell you who they are without telling you who they are. People do it here at the church all the time. People come in, and they're like, oh, I love this church. And I'm like, that's great. You native to Louisville? You here local? And they're like, yeah, I am. So you've been in town for a while. Yep, you grew up Christian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Were you going to church before this? Oh, yeah, I don't want to talk about that church. You see what I just did? Okay. Well, why not? They're just not good people. I just wasn't being fed. That's code word for they don't like the pastor. <laughs> you know, they're just not not good people. You know, they hurt me. Well, did you talk to the pastor? Did you talk to the people of that church? Did you... Did you work through forgiveness before you left? I can't forgive him. Okay, all right. Well, I'm glad you're here. Maybe you can heal. Maybe you can Yeah, I, I got a I got some stuff that I want to do for the kingdom of God. I've got my ministry and it's real important to me and I'm going to I'm like, go, "All right, God bless you. Can't wait to get to know you." Right? Listen to what comes out of people. They will tell you who they are without telling you who they are. Because they will put on display the fruits of the Spirit or the lack thereof. They will spew love and kindness and joy, or they will spew vitriol and hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness. You can, you can figure out who people are almost like that just by listening, just by asking a couple questions. And it's not our job to condemn those people. It's our job to mature so that we can say, hey, well, listen, let's get together. And then other people come, and they say, oh, man, I'm here. I love this place. I can't wait to get involved. Okay, where'd you come from? Oh, I came from Chattanooga, and I'm here. And Oh, yeah, cool, man. I love my pastor's. I love people. You know, things didn't always work out the way I wanted. But, you know, people are people, and I want to honor them. Okay. All right. Yeah, you know, I'm just curious about what God wants to do through me. But I'm not looking for a position. (laughs) I'm not looking to lord over anybody. I just want to serve other people and serve God come here honey come here (laughs) let's be friends let's be friends because I see the wisdom the love the joy the kindness of God flowing out people will tell you who they are so the question is is how do you identify right you identify people by the fruit that they bear what they say what they speak spend time listening people will tell you in advance whether they are going to build you up remember people will tell you in advance whether they are going to build you up or they are going to tear you down you get to choose your friends. Is this good? Is this all right? All right, I'll try to hurry up here. Let's see here. I know I'm making this sound a lot easier than it is because it's challenging, isn't it? It's hard to find good friends, is it not? Seems challenging, right? Quality relationships don't just happen, Jaron. You are correct. If you want quality relationships, guess what you have to do? Watch this. You don't just have to cut people off, right? You don't just have to build boundaries. You need to actively pursue godly relationships, right? Write this down. And I want you to make a a really, really important distinction about that first word. You have to actively. Go ahead and say with me. You have to actively pursue godly relationships. That means this is not going to happen to you passively. You're not just going to, if you do so happen to fall into God's graces and stumble upon the most brilliant, loving, kind relationship, you better thank God for those people in your life. You better thank God. But for the rest of us, guess what we have to do? We have to actively pursue godly relationships. They don't happen passively. Watch what Hebrews 10:25 says because a lot of us are in the business of skipping out on relationships and just coming and consuming at church, right? We skip out on relationships. We we skip on skip out on meeting people where they are and getting to know people because we're so busy, right? Watch what the Bible says. Hebrews 10 says this. Let us not give up meeting together. Let us not meet let us not give up meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing, or all of America is in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. I want you to pay attention to that. But let us encourage, let us love, let us lift up, let us support, let us carry one another's burdens, those words, one another. You hear that a lot in the New Testament, don't you? One another, one another, one another. You have to pursue something that you don't have. If you don't have that relationship, I'm going to step away for a second. There are about half of us that are real bad at this relationship thing. Men. The women are laughing because they get it and you don't. There are half of us that are not so great at developing or pursuing relationships. Men, I don't need relationships. I watched a lot of John Wayne growing up. I don't need any other men. I'm the Lone Ranger. Lone Ranger had Tonto. Oh, then I'm a lone wolf. Wolves travel in packs. I am an alpha male. There was only one alpha and omega. I'm about to do the Anthony Spencer shuffle, right? You ever see Anthony up here? He gets excited. He does what I like to call the choo-choo train. Well, he gets going, right? Listen, you got to develop relationships. You have to actively pursue. Try to bond with people. And we have a way to do that, and we'll get to it. So I want to talk to you about how to develop the two most meaningful relationships that will probably help you go in an amazing direction this year that is full of life, full of growth, probably full of challenge, but you're going to grow because of it, right? They call it resistance training for a reason. It's not easy. Sometimes when you want to grow, you got to challenge yourself. Sometimes in order to get through tough things, the thing is not to run away and hide. It's to face that challenge head on and be stronger on the other side of it. And sometimes that comes in the form of relationships, allowing people in your life that are going to challenge you. I know I've said it before, but two most meaningful relationships that you could probably develop. I don't want you to read this, say this out loud. Number one is this, develop, say develop. Develop my relationship with my church. Come on. Boy, about to get up on my soapbox. Here we go. It doesn't have to be this church. If you're here and you're just visiting, if you're just hanging out, You got somewhere else that you call home? Go there and get plugged in, please. Share your gift with somebody. This isn't all about you just coming and consuming and getting fed. At some point, you got to go from milk to steak. At some point, you got to learn how to cook the meal and feed someone else. At some time, you got to stop being the baby and you got to be the parent. You got to be the big brother, the big sister. You got to develop your relationship with your church. You got to pour into your church. You have a gift that someone else needs. Amen. Come on. You got a gift that somebody else needs. Ephesians 2 says this that you are members, right? You are members of God's very own family, and you belong i got to find somebody to lock eyes with. You belong, you belong, you belong. You belong in God's house with the rest of his family. Why? Because your life matters. Because God made you uniquely. Do we believe this or not? God made you uniquely in your mother's womb. He fit you together, warts and all, as weird as you are. Right? He puts you together with your personality type, whether you don't talk enough or you talk too much. God puts you together the way that you are, and there is a gift. He called you to be a holy contributor, not a holy consumer. You got to be willing to give a little bit of your gift, pour into the people around you. And let me just say this we've got a lot of permanent visitors in our church not members. we got a lot of permanent visitors. They come in, they hear the word, they get a meal, they put a little money in the bucket, I don't care, keep your money. We want your life. We need your gift. Because you're not some holy consumer. You are a part of the body of the living God. You, if you decide not to show up, if you decide not to connect, it's not going to work. You've got to connect. We've got to stop visiting the church and we've got to connect and contribute to the church. That means we've got to get close to other people. We've got to go from being consumer Christians, which aren't really Christians, to active members of the body of Christ. Something happens when you get close enough to other people to pour into them, and they get close enough to you to pour into you. It's really simple. That's why we do something called growth track here. We have two steps. Step two is going to happen right after this service is over. It's where we get to know you. You get to know us. We get to figure out what you're good at, and we get you plugged in on a team so that you can— That's where life starts happening when you're shoulder to shoulder with somebody working through things together solving problems together That's when you go from talking about the weather To talking about something that you have in common that you like this TV show or that TV show Or you like to watch that team or you 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 really hate the Yankees. I don't know But you share the things that you do or don't have in common then you start sharing your dreams with people, your passions, what you want to do, who you want to become, the difference that you want to make. That happens on a team. That happens when you're connected. Not when you come in and just consume and go home. That's not the way he made you. So what do I need to do? Number two, this is something that we do. Read this out loud. I want to develop. I want to develop my relationship with a small group this is why we do small groups here at Believer's Church why community doesn't happen in a crowd I need you to let that sink in for a second you can come week in week out sit shoulder to shoulder and let somebody pour something into you and never connect to the person to your right or to your left it's one of the reasons why we do small groups we've got to well, I don't see them talking about small groups in the New Testament. You know why you didn't see them talking about small groups in the New Testament church? Because the New Testament church was a small group. You had people meeting in house to house daily in groups of 5, 10, 15, 20. But once you get in a room where there are more than 100 people, all the one another's stop happening. And you just turn into a consumer. Watch this really quickly. There are over 30 one another's in the New Testament. Let's look at a couple of them. To bear one another's burdens, right? To weep with one another. To encourage one another. To serve one another. To speak truth to one another. To pray with one another. To share concerns with one another. To forgive one another. That doesn't happen in a crowd. To prefer one another to build up one another. The second that you enter into consumer-only mode, the things that Jesus Christ called you to do, stop. That's why we do small groups. Because Lord knows that it only takes a little bit of distance for you to put on the mask before you get to church. It only takes a 10-minute car ride. You could be yelling at your kids, your spouse, arguing about what you've been arguing all week about. Then you put the car in park, you turn the key off, and praise the Lord, brother. How are you? Oh, I'm dandy. Nobody says dandy anymore. This is what modern-day church is doing to people. It's not our fault. It's just what happens when you grow. So as a church, we have to counteract. In a church that is 600, 700, 800 plus and growing... This could become the thing that kills our true relationship with God and true relationship with others if we don't actively pursue relationships in a small place where we can gather together. Because when you get in a room with people, you get to share your common interests, you get to share your dreams. But then, guess what happens? Can I tell you what's happened in in some of the small groups I've been a part of? We love to play board games. Well, Jaron, how can anything meaningful happen in a small group about board games? And we get crazy, y'all. Let me just tell you something. There's a guy named Gary Riggs that goes to this church. I love Gary Riggs, but don't invite him to board game night. He is super competitive. He is great. He brings out the worst in me and the best. And I will win, Gary. I will win. Look at him. He is shaking his head no at me right now. Gary. He, he's probably right. He'll beat me. We're playing board games with people, new people come to church, and we're playing board games, having fun, laughing, talking about what TV shows we like, what we have in common. And we share our dreams and our hopes and our aspirations and our profession and what we do, and we start connecting and finding things in common, right? And then something strange happens. The mask comes off. Jaron, you mind if I tell you something? Yeah, sure. I'm a little nervous. Why are you nervous? The last church I went to, true story, I was tithing over 50% of my income to the church. Well, Lord, bless you. I'm glad you're here. No, but really, we don't expect that from you. What's up? when I reduced it from 50% of my income the leaders of the church took me off all the teams okay people on the teams were instructed to stop taking my phone calls stop responding to my text messages I just want to know is that going to happen to me here oh sweetheart it's not going to happen we're not going to do that to you You know what? Actually, take the next year. Don't give anything. Maybe that's unwise. God, forgive me if that's wrong. But don't give anything because we don't want your money. We want you. Because there's something inside of you that God has put in you that only you can do. And you need an opportunity to build trust with people. And we hope that you give us the opportunity to build that trust with you. There are small groups where people are going in. Freedom small group, y'all. Y'all ever been to a freedom small group? Oh, my goodness. If you want to be set free from bondages, addictions, traumas, you need to go through freedom. You need to see how God sees you. Right? Woo! I'm telling you, it's happened to me firsthand. I've, I've watched as people in a small group talking about what they believe they start opening up and go I never said this to anybody but when I was yay years old I got molested by my aunt my uncle my, and for my whole life I've walked around with that identity that I am garbage that I am worthless that I am I'm disgusting I'm gross honey that's not what God says about you that's not who God says you are And I watch as those shackles come off and people take on a new identity of who God says they are, that they are a child of the king, that they can make a massive difference when they submit their lives to him, when they align with him and they say, you know what? I want to see you the way that you see me. I want to see myself through your eyes. I've watched people that didn't believe God was real or maybe they grew up in a Catholic church and they, they, they grew up in a, in a denomination where they said that God isn't alive and, and, and he isn't really healing. He isn't actually actively moving. He isn't actively touching anybody's lives. I had a small group that was a workout small group and we're doing jumping jacks. I have this seven-minute workout that I do and I decided to torture my small group with it. And we get through two of them and we're all sweaty and nasty and it's gross and we're like, "You know what? What? One man to another, let's just talk. Let's just hang out. Let's just take a breather and we start talking. And one of the guys in my small group, great guy, his name's Brent. He said, "I I grew up Catholic. And I didn't really I thought I had to go through a priest." To have a relationship with God I couldn't have a direct relationship with God And then you guys started teaching that I could have a direct relationship with God And it changed everything And then you guys started talking this crazy stuff That God heals people And I was like okay They have lost it But can I tell you Jaron Go ahead Can I tell you that years ago One of my vertebrae split in two And I've walked around in severe pain for years and years and years, taking medications and just bearing through the pain. And when you guys started preaching about miracles and God's power and what he can do, I went to a new chiropractor, they took x-rays and I stopped feeling pain and they showed me that my vertebrae had bound itself back together. And I asked my chiropractor if that's something that happens and the chiropractor said, no, that's God that's a miracle. That doesn't happen. So here we are, sweaty grown men in a small group of like five or six, because a workout small group's never going to be big. And we're crying and we're weeping and we're lifting our hands and we're praising God together. And I'm finding these relationships and bonding with these people and we're growing in our faith and we're challenging one another and I have small groups where we read and study books together and I get close to some of the older people in our congregation and I like to talk and I force them into corners where they have to answer questions for me because I'm like you got to give me some of that wisdom you got to pour that knowledge of your life live how to parent better what does worship really mean how do we teach and preach more effectively tell me and I just soak it all in and it makes me better so that I can be better for you and serve you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. It's really simple. I want to ask you to host a small group. You me put that up real quick. Again, stop trying to spend time disqualifying yourself. You get out your phone right now. You can go to blv.life. The semester is from February 4th to May 4th. We've got curriculum. Every single person that signs up to lead or host a small group, we will train you. And you can it's a free market thing that we do so you can do anything that you're interested in. We want you to insert God and we want you to keep track of all the people that attend and we have goals of making sure that everybody in those groups are taking next steps and being loved properly, but we want you to host a group. You can play board games. You can work out. You could go through the woods and run together. You could do a Bible study. You could do a women's group. You could do a men's group. You could crochet things together. You could do woodworking. There are all sorts of things. You can do a hardcore Bible study about the book of Revelation. Good luck. Right? That's a Christian joke. Christians get that one. That's a hard one. You can do anything you want within reason. And listen, we'll, we can give you curriculum, we can give you guidelines. Let me just say this. If you don't open it up and you don't let it go, if you don't let that cart get off the rails here and there, let me tell you something, you failed. If somebody says, hey, can I talk about, hey, can I ask a question about this or that? Or, hey, what do you guys believe about? If you need to redirect the whole night and just spend time conversing with somebody... Spending time encouraging somebody, studying, thinking, learning, challenging, growing, supporting. If somebody just lost a loved one, you need to take that whole night just loving on somebody. If you don't take that small group and go off the rails a little bit, you have failed. Why don't you stand? This is what I'm asking for. Why? Because if we don't actually get close to people... We can't take the mask off. We can't grow in relationship with people. We can't surround ourselves with people, right? Good, godly people. We we won't give ourselves the opportunity to get close enough to somebody to identify their fruit and say, man, they've got some wisdom that I want. They've got some love that I want. They have some peace flowing out of them that I want. They've got direction. They've got purpose. Man, they're really good at planning out their calendar. And I want to learn how to plan out my calendar for the year. I want to get around that. you got to you got to get in a group. This is going to be opening up your group, your group. It's going to start February 4th. But you got to sign up to host one. What am I saying? Prepare a place for you, but not just you. Prepare a place for you and someone else to find purpose, to find community, to find love, to find healing, to find growth, to find challenge, to find encouragement. Host something. Prepare a place where you and people just like you, or maybe not like you at all, can grow together and love on one another. You get it? You hear that word? It's coming back. One another. If we just come in and we consume, and we go home and say, oh, that's good, Pastor. That's a good word. I feel good. I feel satisfied. I feel filled. You're not fulfilling the Great Commission you're not fulfilling what Jesus called you to do, how he called you to contribute, how he called you to be that shoulder that someone else needs to lean on, to cry on. Because guess what? There's gonna be a day where you need somebody else to be that for you too. Why don't we pray? Lord Jesus, I ask that you inspire every single person in this room. I know this is practical, but to get out their phone To go to the website, to sign up, to say, you know what? I'm going to help prepare a place for someone else to find love, to find joy, to find purpose, to have meaningful discussions. God, I don't want any, if you don't want anything else than for me to prepare a place where we can build meaningful friendships. Because somebody hasn't ever had friends. Not like you called us to be. God, I want to prepare a place where somebody can just find meaningful friendships. God, prepare us. As we prepare places in our homes, in the local coffee shop, here in small rooms at church, creating places where people can grow closer to each other as they grow closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray and the church said amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much.